What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the HWS Podcast, also known as the Health, Wealth, and Sports Podcast. I'm your host, William Andres, and in this podcast, we will discuss an array of different topics from fitness to financial literacy and sports. If this is something that you might find yourself interested in, well, this is the podcast for you. Please stay tuned. Hey, don't forget to follow the HWS podcast on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. And oh yeah, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you may get your podcast from. Hey, a lot has changed since I started this podcast. Help me continue to grow. Make sure you follow HWS podcast and tell a friend to tell a friend. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Health, Wealth, and Sports. I'm your host, William Andres, and today I am going to be talking about the NBA playoffs. We've had some very exciting first-round games, and I know I'm a little late, but I like to do that on purpose. I like for the games to end. I like for the series to settle, and then we could do a recap, and we could talk about them. I'm not going to talk about all of the series because all of them weren't really important to me. The Utah series was really boring. The Philadelphia series was also boring, but I'm going to talk about some of the exciting ones and uh, to me some of the exciting ones happened in uh, the Eastern Conference I really liked the, the New Jersey Nets and the Boston Celtics that that paired Kevin Durant right up with my boy Jason Tatum St. Louis kid so I gotta shout him out uh, I also really liked uh, the uh, Golden State versus the uh uh, Denver Nuggets I, that put Jokic right up against uh, Steph Curry. So that was another exciting series. Uh, there was also another series in the West that I really like. It has two emerging superstars, uh, Anthony Edwards and Ja Morant. That series was crazy. Uh, Minnesota actually had an opportunity to actually win two games in that series that they blew some very big leads, and Ja just went crazy in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm going to speak on that, but today I really want to harp on the Kevin Durant and uh, Jason Tatum uh, matchup because I know a lot of people believe that Kevin Durant is the best player in the world right now with the descending of LeBron James, uh, his superstardom and ushering the new uh, superstars and the the new leaders of the pack. Kevin Durant kind of like rose to the forefront as being the best player in the NBA. Everyone likes his. They fell in love with his uh, scoring ability and Golden State kind of put him in a role where, you know, he could play a small five, even though I know he's like damn near seven foot, but he plays a small five that can shoot, that can dribble, that can, uh, uh, you could facilitate the offense through him. So that just gave uh, the team that he was on a different look. In comes Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has entered the chat. And, you know, I, I had an argument a while back uh, uh, with a cousin of mine's, and he was telling me that, oh, Michael Porter Jr. is a better player than Jason Tatum. Now, Michael Porter Jr., he went to Mizzou, also a Missouri product, so I'm not going to bash him too much, but there's no way in the world that Michael Porter Jr. is a better player than Jason Tatum. By this point in his career, Jason Tatum has already won a gold medal. He's already been a several-time NBA All-Star. He's gone to a Eastern Conference Finals. He dunked on LeBron like that's not a uh, really a 
like a stat. You know, they're not going to put that in the record book. But, I mean, for a young kid to go up there and bang on LeBron and then, like, bump him and stare him down, that just tells you he's a different animal. So I'm just putting that out there so they put some context to, to what I'm talking about. Now, Kevin Durant, everybody knows he's a killer. He was a killer at OKC. Well, let's go, let's go back further. He started with Seattle. He was a killer there. They transferred into the OKC Thunder. He was killer there for years, and I know he got bashed when Golden State came back from a 3-1 deficit, and then he eventually joined that team. I don't really bash Kevin Durant that much because I always tell people, if I could get a better job, better pay, and it's easier, that's a no-brainer. And just because he's an athlete doesn't mean that he has to stay faithful to these organizations. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has been faithful to the Green Bay Packers, and they have backstabbed him after backstabbed him after backstabbed him. So, you know, you don't really have to be faithful to an organization. And if you want to just stick to the game of basketball, let's, let's, we don't have to look any further than LeBron. LeBron has a, arguably the best player in the NBA for the last two decades, and and he has bounced from team to team to team to team, and he's built his team along the way. And, you know, you may say the Boston Celtics were the, the architect of the super team. You may go back to the Lakers with Carl Malone and Gary Payton and say they were the architect. But in this modern era, LeBron James was the architect of the super teams. He, everywhere he went, he handpicked not only a coach, but the players that he uh, was on his team and pretty much the offense that they ran. So if you played with LeBron, say like you're a Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh was down in the box uh, in the paint banging, and when LeBron came in, they're like, okay, now you're a stretch four. Same thing with Kevin Love. Kevin Love was a 30-30 and 30 guy. Not that he averaged that, but he could get that. And all of a sudden they told him, you know what, you're a stretch four now. And these guys are talented enough that they were able to adapt their game to play with LeBron James, but that just shows the superstardom of LeBron that he could tell another all-star yeah, you're gonna change your you're gonna change your game because this is the way I like to play the game. I digress from that. This is not a let's poop on LeBron and 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 try to mess up his legacy. I only brought that in context to say that if you are okay with what LeBron did, you have to be okay with what Kevin Durant did. This is just today's NBA. For all the old heads out there, like oh man, I love Jordan. Jordan played and Kobe did this and Patrick Ewing. And those guys that that day in the NBA is gone. That day is gone. And you got to stop being loyal to things that aren't loyal to you. This is the NBA is a business. Sports is a business. So they made a business decision. Kevin Durant went to the Golden State Warriors and got him two titles. LeBron went to Miami and got him two titles. That's what it is. It was a business decision. These guys went somewhere and they played and they got their rings. And that's what's going to matter because at the end of their career, people are going to say, how many rings did you have? And. So that's what made Kevin Durant's decision, in my eyes, a business decision. And if you're not a business guy, look no further than your job. Your job will get rid of you in a heartbeat. You die on your job, they're going to feel they're going to replace it. They're not going to retire your tie or your, retire your chair in the office. You're done. They're going to replace you and they're going to move on. And the same thing with sports. When Kevin Durant moved on, they replaced him in OKC. They replaced him in Golden State. And I'm pretty sure when he leaves the Nets or wherever he goes or if he retires, they'll replace him there too. So like it's just a business. But let's get back to Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant's that guy. He just absolutely is. There's no one that can score on uh, uh, 
the clip that he does. He could shoot threes. He could beat you off the dribble. He has a great mid-range. He could post up. So he's really a nightmare. So if you put a you put a smaller guy on him, he's going to take him in the post. He's going to bang him a few times, and he's going to you know turn around and shoot uh, over him. If you put a, a four on him or four or five and you put him out on the perimeter, he's going to shake him. Not too many people could jump and block his shot. His elevation, he doesn't really have to get so high. Like I said, he's damn near a seven-footer, so when he's up there, he could – basically shoot over anybody that's on the court. Again, Jason Tatum has entered the chat. Now, I've already told you all of the things that Jason Tatum has accomplished in his young career. I actually had the opportunity to watch Jason Tatum play here in St. Louis, Missouri at Chaminade. And, you know, when I got the chance to watch him, the one thing that was critical of his game, I was like, you know what, he could get to the basket, he could post these little guys up, but does he have a consistent jump shot? I didn't really see it in high school. I've seen him a couple games, and maybe that's me not seeing enough of him, but I thought his jump shot was decent. Then he goes to Duke, and when he was at Duke, at one point he led the nation in three-point percentage and made. Maybe not made, but three-point percentage, and I thought that was pretty big for a guy that I didn't think that he had a great jump shot. I knew he had a jump shot. Obviously, he made it to D1. I knew he had a jump shot, but I didn't know he had that efficient of a jump shot. So then he gets into the NBA, and, you know, he has a decent first season. His first season was actually a really good season. And then the second season, they actually excelled and almost got over the hump and made it to uh, the Eastern Conference Final. I may have that confused. They may have almost made it his first year or second year, but had a really good first two years of his career. Then... You know what, they, uh, Kyrie Irving moves on from the Boston Celtics, and they say, you know what, you're going to inherit this team. He starts training with Kobe Bryant. Kobe gives a little tips on his game, like, hey, if you shoot a couple more threes, if you do this, you got the whole package. If you do this, you're going to be like a 25 to 30-point scorer a game. Well, whatever Kobe told him, whatever Mamba mentality that Kobe put into Jason Tatum, he was a student of the game. He listened, he implemented it, and Jason has – been pretty much next level. He's He defends the ball. He defends off of the ball. He actually can score. He's a great team member. He knows how to pass. I mean, the dude's game is complete. And like I said, he also is, you know, rumors has it he's about 6'10". I don't know if he's that tall. It might be 6'8", 6'9". But he's up there in, a, in like, length and height. So he's just, you know, he could cover a lot of ground, and he's very skilled. So now you can see why a matchup between him and Kevin Durant would be just a, a matchup for the ages. And pretty much Boston dominated it. You know, Boston uh, came in and, and in the beginning of the season, Boston didn't really look all that good. And, you know, like my friend and my we always talk about he's a huge Boston fan. I'm a, I'm a Golden State and a Lakers fan. And so we're talking about it, and he's like, man, Boston's going to get it together. They just got a new coach. You know, they're just trying to implement this new system. But when they get it together, they're going to be straight. So I'm like, okay, all right, well, whatever. So I'm watching, I'm watching, and watching, and slowly but surely – Boston kept creeping up the standards. And at one point, they ended, they were at the season. They didn't end the season, but at one point in the season towards the end, they were the number one seed in the East. And I think they should have very easily stayed the number one seed in the East, but I'm going to digress from that. I actually personally think that they will come out of the East. And the reason why I think they're going to come out of the East, and Beeb just has uh, fractured his eye 
and he had a concussion. Uh, and right now, Giannis and those guys are playing without Chris Middleton. Now, I told you this is a recap, so game one of round two has already happened, and Milwaukee has won game one very impressively. I think it's going to be a series. I think Boston plays way too much defense for Milwaukee to do that. I just think that Milwaukee came out on a high. They ransacked Boston. Boston got caught off guard. I think they will make the proper adjustments. So let's get back to this Kevin Durant and and uh, Jason Tatum uh, matchup. Well, it really wasn't a matchup. Durant actually had two or three really bad games in the series. And I know that that's a team effort. Durant is going to draw uh, pretty much double and triple teams, and he's going to have to rely on other players on his team to uh, to make plays. And he was leaning on Kyrie Irving. And let's just be real. Kevin Durant has picked some iffy team members. Like when he was in OKC, I used to tell people all the time, Kevin Durant has – it's almost like that big brother, that like really protective big brother, and I'm not going to backstab you, and I'll never say anything bad about you in the media. Well, he did that for uh, Westbrook for years. Russell Westbrook had been a problem. Russell felt like he was the alpha dog in OKC, and he shot too many times. He took bad shots. Uh, he, wouldn't, he, refer, uh, he wouldn't defer to Kevin Durant, even in Kevin Durant's MVP season out in OKC. So, I mean, if you remember the game when they uh, came back on, uh, when Golden State came back on OKC, Westbrook came down and on several possessions just shot the ball, shot the ball, before he said, okay, well, I'm broke. I'm going to hand it to Kevin Durant. Now you put Kevin Durant in a bad situation, and he's supposed to bail you out. And I already know everyone in the world is going to be like, well, you're Kevin Durant. You're supposed to bail us out. And that's true. He kind of is supposed to step up to those occasions, but – when you put somebody in a bad situation, you put them in a bad situation. Now, greats tend to hide the mistakes of, you know, the sins of the front office. Like, if let's, let's change speed, go back to football. Tom Brady had, you know, covered up the sins of plenty bad New England Patriot teams. But no one knew how bad they were because Tom Brady kept making them win. And that's what people expected of Durant in that moment. Same thing with LeBron. LeBron actually took that the first team that he took to the finals when they played the Spurs, that Cleveland squad, terrible, terrible. Should, never should have been there. They never should have beat Detroit. Detroit should have actually went to that final. But LeBron played so spectacular, you didn't realize like their second best player was Mo Williams, a, like a six foot one, six foot two shooting guard. That was their second best player. They had Antoine Jameson. Yeah, don't, don't, that team's not going to win you a championship. That, te- that team was terrible, terrible. So, again, here's a guy in Kevin Durant that everyone is ex- just expecting to make these plays, but you, you forget, like, once upon a time, on a team that had Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, D. Wade, uh, countless other superstars, the international team in the Olympics – played a boxing one on Kevin Durant. That's how special of a talent Kevin Durant is. So everybody expects him to be that night in, night out. And I know that we live in this NBA era where, you know, if you're going to compare me to one superstar, if you're going to dog my superstar, I'm going to dog yours. I, I lived through it. I was a Kobe Bryant fan, and when Kobe was playing out in Los Angeles, which he played his whole career, 
I should, didn't even have to say that, but you know that. Kobe played his whole career in Los Angeles, and when LeBron was in Cleveland, everything Kobe did, they compared him to LeBron. So if LeBron had a bad day and Kobe had a good day, you know, the Kobe fans, well, LeBron ain't nothing, he'll never be Kobe, and blah, 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 and vice versa. When LeBron had a good day and Kobe had a bad day, Kobe, he, he can't play ball, he blah, blah, blah. So we diminish their their ability, their greatness, because we were so biased to one player. So I think, like, we've been overly hard on LeBron because we compared him to Kobe's and the Durant's and all of these other players. And we're also being overly critical of the Durant's and and the other superstars that come behind these guys because we're just constantly comparing people's greatness versus just saying, you know, they're just great in their own right. I know it's good barbershop talk. It's good. It makes for good TV and, and people like podcasters and ESPN and uh, CNBC Sports and wherever it is. NBA TV, it makes great topics to talk about. But on the real, these players are great. They're just great, and we should appreciate their greatness. Now, I digress from that, and the point that I was trying to make is that Kevin Durant went to the Nets, and he brought Kyrie Irving with him. Now, Kyrie had went on this uh, Save the World tour during uh, COVID. He wanted to stand up for his rights. He wanted to be the voice of the unheard. And it was just kind of frustrating for me because I'm like, you know, Kyrie, the people that you're talking about, you're the voice for, you're nothing like them. You're a multimillionaire. You have the right to do whatever you want to. Like, if I held out for my job, they fire me. You hold out for your job, you're still going to make millions. They allowed you to play in half of the home games, which still netted you about like $19 million or something like that. So you got paid. But the, the guy that you're saying that I'm speaking for, he tried to pull the same stunt that you do, and he can't feed his family at night. He can't take the stance that you're taking because you have the platform and the ability to. You're nothing like him. Now, if the NBA said, hey, you take this stance, we're just going to kick you out the league and we're going to permanently ban you, I would say that, you know what, you're now playing with fire and you're really standing up for something. But the stance that you took just showed that you're kind of like this rich, spoiled a uh, privileged kid that could do whatever they want to, and you got your way. But you didn't think about your teammates that are out here doing battle every day, that are trying to win a championship, or the superstar who left a 73-9 and team, a team that he won two championships with, to come over and play with you an exceptional talent to try to build something together. You didn't think about that. You thought about, oh, I'm going to be the voice of the people. And, and, and eventually still came back to the league that you kind of were shitting on and, and was speaking bad about. And you came back, and when you came back, you didn't have any flow with your team. Like, if you watch the Nets play, they kind of played like, okay, Durant, you're going to shoot five balls, and then Kyrie's going to come shoot five balls. And they, they really didn't really run an offense. It kind of just looked like freelance, like gym basketball. And they were just – better than the other teams so they won but there's no there's no way in the world that a team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant should have finished seventh in the east it just shouldn't have happened there's too much talent on that team and if you want to go back to the comparing superstars or whatever whatever LeBron wouldn't have, LeBron wouldn't have let that happen LeBron played with Kyrie and he won a championship with Kyrie and uh, hobbling Kevin Love that was like in and out of the lineup. And he even managed to take that team to multiple finals. So not to blame that on Kevin Durant, that's not his fault. But again, 
Kevin, rather than holding Kyrie Irving accountable, kind of like, you know, I'm going to back him. I'm going to back him. That's my guy, and if, if he's going to take a stance, I'm just going to stand up and say, yeah, yeah, that's my guy, whatever. But you know deep down inside, he was like, what is wrong with this fool? I came from a sweet opportunity. And what I mean by the opportunity, he was playing with the Golden State Warriors. So he came from a sweet position, sweet situation, and he had everything going on for him. And he came over and he he wanted to team up with Kyrie Irving. And instead, what ended up happening is he got showed up by a young gun by the name of Jason Tatum because he didn't have the help. He didn't have the continuity that a team that's trying to win an NBA championship should have. And the reason why is Kyrie had to sit out of practices and home games in the in the state of New York. So he wasn't he wasn't there. He wasn't there in those situations. They didn't get the chemistry that they were supposed to have. They also got rid of James Harden and then they bring in Ben Simmons and oh my god, that's a completely different spoiled entitled little rich kid. Because if we want to talk about my generation, cats played with broken fingers, broken nose, uh, bad ankles. You just taped it up. I mean, if you were hurt, you played. You played, especially a playoff game. In a playoff game that you could make a difference, Jason Tatum's out here basically flaming them. He was averaging about almost like 33-something points a game at one stretch in that series. And he's just killing the Nets. Now, Ben Simmons... 6'10", point guard, plays good defense, distributes the ball, would have absolutely been an X factor, a difference maker in this series, and he chose to sit on the sideline. Now, I know that they say his back hurts. His back hurts. And I'm going to tell you a a headline that came out that was, like, even even more mind-boggling than that, but, like, his back hurt. If you remember, he – dropped but when he was playing back in Philadelphia last year this whole controversy started when he dropped baseline and he turned around and look little Trey Young is sitting right there and any big man Shaq could tell you you look over there and and if anybody is even an inch shorter than you he's barbecue chicken you're supposed to dunk on him you know beat your chest run back down court that's what you're supposed to do well Ben Simmons light skin curly hair Soft basketball guy, left-handed. He dropped baseline, and he decided to pass the ball. And, Ben, I'm just playing with you. All the little things. I know this is what they're saying online. So he drops baseline, and he passes the ball. Now, Embiid takes exception to this because Embiid is all in. He wants to win. He trusted the process. He's the man on this team, so he's going to take all the criticism for the loss. So in the press conference after the game, NB probably said some stuff that he shouldn't. He probably should have took a, a page out of Kevin Durant and just had not said anything. But being the guy that NB is, he kind of was like, man, you know, the play we had down there and, you know, we passed the ball and then we got to the free throw line and missed and eventually went on to lose. And Ben Simmons was like, he's talking directly to me. So he was like, I will never play for this team again. I want to trade. So the Nets trade, the following year, the Nets trade Harden for Ben Simmons. And you know what? I thought the Nets were, you know, holding Ben Simmons out. Let's get him healthy. Let's make sure that he's 100%, even though didn't quite understand why he was out. But it's nevertheless, you know, the organizations, they have their trainers, they have their doctors, and I'm sure they evaluated him. And they were like, you know what? We're going to keep him out till he's 100% healthy. We'll bring him back in the playoffs. Well, the Nets go down a game. They go down another one. 
They eventually get them one. They they go down again. And well, actually, they didn't even get them one. I'm I'm sorry, they got swept. But they you know there was a game where they was close and they could have won, but they ended up getting swept. But each game from like game three and four, they're like Ben Simmons may come back. He's gonna come back, and he never came back. He's on the sideline with his little glasses on, and and he's got his little chains, and he looked like he's like trying to be a model. But your team is losing. And like I said, in the late 90s, the early 2000s, like these players, they played through it all. And when I actually found out why Ben Simmons actually set out, it took his level of weakness to a whole nother level. When he turned around and said, you know what, my mental health was, you know, like just the, the pressure of them telling me that I had to get back on the court and play, it like triggered my, it was triggering my back and it made my back hurt some more. Man, I'm not even going to tell y'all what I really think. Uh, no, nah, I'm going to say it. Like, Ben, come on, man. Come on. That that sounds vaginy to me, man. That that really sounds a little vaginy to me. And you really just didn't come, you know, like, you just you don't sound like you want to compete. I saw an article where there's multiple, like, he quit on this international team. He quit on the Sixers. Now he quit on the Nets. And you can say, well, he didn't quit. He just didn't play. That's quitting. He quit. He let his team lose. So again, all these guys left Kevin Durant, the superstar on the team, to take the, the the bulk of the punishment. And rather than Durant being vocal, probably went to his burner account and like said some stuff or he's had somebody else speaking out for him. But Kevin Durant for years has known that a lot of these guys have let him down. The one constant that he had, the one guy that actually showed up and even at the the height of his superstardom took a back seat to him to let him lead with Steph Curry. We've seen how Steph Curry is coming off the bench right now because you know what? He's a humble superstar. He understands, I want to win. And before I even get to Steph, I'm going to just put this out there. Uh, when I know that we say like LeBron dominated this era and Kevin Durant has dominated this era. Steph has three rings. And three of those rings have come at the expense of LeBron James. Kevin Durant has won, but only with Steph Curry as a team member. So, And the way that Golden State is playing this year, they may get him another ring, and if they could keep this core group together, may even get another one after that. So if he has five rings after this era is over, I know he's not the most dominant player. He's not the most physically gifted player. But we may have to reorder that, hey, where do you sit on that Mount Rushmore? Because let's not act like the guy didn't change the game. And I know I'm being biased because Steph is my dude. I really like him. But at the same time, let's let's think about where these Trey Youngs and, and uh, Jordan Poole and Dame Lillard and even LeBron had altered this game when they're shooting these super deep threes where they're making you pick me up at half court, making you play honest basketball. Look at John Morant yesterday in yesterday's game. They, uh, Gary Payton the second had to pick him up full court because these guys have range now. And they have the ultimate green light to shoot those balls because of Steph Curry. But I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to fall back from that. Let's get back to Jason Tatum and Durant. Jason Tatum absolutely dominated this uh, series. And I'm not going to say that Durant played a bad game. I'm going to say that Jason Tatum actually has arrived. The man's jump shot is unstoppable. His sidestep three is just ridiculous. Like, 
I used to believe that this was one of the worst shots, like a step back three, like you're going away, your momentum's going away from the basket. But these guys are so talented, so gifted that they make these shots look easy. And that's his patented move, the sidestep three. You, you can't guard it. He's already long, right? So his release point is way up there. So he could sidestep that creates space. Plus, now you have to make up for the height advantage. And the guy could go to the basket left or right hand. He could finish with his left or right hand. He has a Euro step. He has a mid-range game. And he's if you look at just his physical built from the time that he's gotten into the league to now, he looks a lot stronger. Jason Tatum will be a force to reckon with in the East for years to come. Now, it's up to Boston to put some pieces around him. And I know he has some pieces. I'm not really a huge fan of Marcus Smart. Now, when Marcus Smart first came in the league, he was like a, kind of a tweener guard, a point guard, a shooting guard. He was very much an undersized two guard, so they made him a point guard. And he kind of stepped up into that role, and he kind of became the little pest, you know, that defensive player that you need. Not quite Patrick Beverly, but, you know, enough that he's going to disrupt your offense. He's going to do the dirty work that the other players won't do. So he kind of you know, made a niche role for himself. He also this year won Defensive Player of the Year, which I think that was well-deserved. He does play defense. But, again, I don't think that that's what Jason Tatum needs. I think every team needs that, but that's not what's going to get you over the hump. Jalen Brown, he's a legitimate superstar. Like, Jalen could have been Tatum. I'm not saying, like, skill-wise, but, like, if Boston decided to say, like, we're going to make Jalen the guy. Jalen, you're going to shoot, and you're going to take the head role. I think that uh, Jalen Brown could have stepped in that role. Would he have done as well as Tatum? I don't believe so, but, again, all I'm saying is if Boston decided to go, like, hey, Jalen, you're going to be that guy, I think Jalen could give you 25 a game as well. Now you got you got some great role players. You got a good center that's athletic. He's a great rim protector. You got Brown that's also a big body. He could shoot the three. He's he's uh, uh, also uh, a good defender. You bring Al Horford back, and Al Horford gives you that uh, veteran leadership in the locker room. He he knows how he's a proven winner. He knows how to get buckets. He knows how to motivate the younger guys. So absolutely, that was a great move. And you surround all of that with Jason Tatum. You're gonna have a side team now is it a championship winning team it's yet to be seen like I, I don't know how Jason is going to perform on the the highest levels he's he showed that yeah you know, first round second round Olympics I could ball like I, I could get it done but you don't know what when the lights are shining the brightest what you're gonna get out of your players and I'm gonna tell you the reason why is because like last night Clay Thompson great uh free throw shooter great three-point shooter just great all-around shooter brick two free throws in the clutch and he was shaking he was you know he was nervous as hell he's out there hand shaking blowing and every hooper knows when you're nervous you blow into your hands because the your hands kind of get cold so you're trying to get that warm feeling back into your hand trying to get your nerves in check and he stepped up there and here's a guy who's almost shooting 42 percent from threes and he's a 85 percent free throw shooter and he breaks two of them. And could have potentially cost Golden State the the game. But he uh he you know, he missed them both and Jog goes down, he misses the layup game over. That's in the history books. Okay, let's talk about the other series that I was really excited about. The other series that I was really excited about was Steph and Jokic. Now you got two MVPs, and I actually thought this when I first looked at it on paper, I was like, Oh man, Golden State's gonna actually have some problems. 
not really. I forgot that, you know, you got Jamal Murray out and Michael Porter Jr., the, he's also out. So Yoke had pretty much had his, you know, his hands full. But I'm not going to lie, I, I, he actually came to ball. And I, I don't really get a chance to watch him play much or maybe I don't watch him play much. But this is a skilled big man. He's not quite Shaq. He's not going to go down on the block and just completely dominate you like that. But this guy creates problems because he has a jump shot. He's got he's got post moves. He's big. He could push the ball. He could shoot. He makes really good decision. And he runs the offense masterfully because the offense goes through him. And I mean, he just seems to know where everybody is going to be at. And at times he seemed to be ahead of the guys that were out there. Now, the only other superstar he really had with him, and I wouldn't even I'm using superstar very lightly. Um, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, we all know him, the slam gun guy who got robbed out of probably two or three slam dunk champions. Yes, he got robbed. I don't care what the hell you say. The man got robbed. He had some of the best dunks that the NBA has not seen. Maybe street ballers, but in the NBA slam dunk contest, you didn't see that. Zach just jumped from the free throw line two or three times. The other guy beat him because he went through his legs two or three times. Boring. So that's the Aaron Gordon that I'm talking about. Now, Aaron Gordon, first couple of games came out, and uh, he was trying to play like, you know, on 2K when you ha- you have a player – and they do moves that they don't have, and they go, uh-uh, and like they lose the ball, or they do something stupid, they throw it away. Well, that was Aaron Gordon the first couple of games. He was actually trying to be something that he wasn't. Now, later in the series, he found out, well, if Golden State is going to play small ball, I'm going to punish them. I'm going to just go down on the block. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to go hard to the basket, and that was working. Like, you know, they figured something out. Like, yo, if Jokic is down here doing his thing and I'm down here doing my thing, this works. So I actually was kind of scared for Golden State uh, at some points in the series because I'm like, okay, well, if they just decide to play bully ball, they could get something done. Then they brought Boogie Cousins off. Like, now, Boogie's a head case, but Boogie could ball. Like, you know, if you think back when Boogie was in Sacramento, Boogie was that guy, and he could get you buckets. And even when Boogie went down to New Orleans, when him and Anthony Davis were down there, they were a problem. And so Boogie just – he's at the point of his career where he's hurt himself a lot, and he's hes kind of humbled himself. I know that he did get into it with a guy on the bench during the series, but Boogie had stretches where Jokic was in foul trouble, and, I mean, Boogie had – like 13 straight points, like Golden State couldn't do anything with him. And Golden State knows this guy because he played on their team, so they know what moves he's going to do, and they know his favorite spots, and he was still getting to them. And this wasn't just on, like, anybody. They had Dre out there trying to guard him, and he was dogging Draymond Green, who's arguably probably some people are going to say he's top five all-time best defensive players of all time, arguably. So, you know, I'm putting that out there. And so when you look at it, I'm like, okay, well, they actually figured out something until the real Golden State Warriors stepped up. And I've been telling people this for uh, the longest now, since probably last year, but definitely all throughout the year this year. Jordan Poole has arrived. And honestly, I know they gave it to John Morant, uh, most uh, improved player. But I don't really think Ja as a starter really didn't have much to improve on. Like, he became a better leader of that team. But Jordan Poole was a G League player. Yeah, that's right. He wasn't even drafted. He was a G League player. And he went first round. He was starting. Now, a lot of the starting did 
it happened because Steph Curry was coming off the bench because he was on minute restriction because he was hurt. And kudos to Steph Curry, a superstar who's going to come off the bench. But Jordan Poole was starting, and he wasn't just like a placeholder. Jordan Poole actually bailed Golden State out of several games. And this this past game, like I said, we're in round two. Uh, talking talking in hindsight about the games that happened in the first round. But in round two, the man scored 31 points, and they needed every last one of those points because they only won by one. And he outscored Clay, he outscored Dre, and he outscored uh, Steph Curry. The guy has absolutely arrived. He's balling. His, he's They call him Baby 3, but I think that uh, – I'm sorry, ba- not Baby 3. They call him Baby Steph. And I think that's uh, – kind of an insult to him and and I know that's a compliment but like he's arrived and that's no disrespect to Steph or him but he's arrived like I've made a name for myself yes I've yes you could see a lot of Steph Curry's game in Jordan Poole but Jordan Poole does some things that Steph Curry doesn't do I think that he has a quicker first step I think that he attacks the basket a little more fearlessly than Curry Curry's gonna Tack the basket, he'll lay it up. Jordan might try to dunk on you. On a good day, you might catch Jordan coming down the lane, and you know he he'll try to dunk on you. He's not a Ja Morant type dunker, but you know he'll go in there and he'll dunk. And finally, uh, we're talking about Clay, talking about everybody on the Golden State. Clay actually started looking like Clay again. He finally started to like get his shot back because when I when Clay first came back from his injury, I felt like Clay was playing out of his role. Clay was kind of those players that like. You know, he's only, he only needs three or four dribbles, and he's going to score 30 points because he's a coming off the screen and, you know, sidestep dribble, hit the three. And that was the clay that we were used to seeing over the years, like the 2015 clay. This clay came back, and he's going down the lane trying to dunk. He looked like he was, like, trying to prove something. And I think they finally got clay to settle down, and then maybe somebody got him in the film room and said, this was when you were at your best. This is what we need you to do. And I think that he bought into it, and he – actually is out here looking good like you know what I'm saying like he's looking like the clay of old he had a game in that series where he only took four dribbles scored 30 points already talked about Jordan Poole Jordan Poole is an emerging superstar Draymond Green did an absolute monster job on Jokic if you go if you don't believe me go back and look at the stats when any everybody else from Golden State was guarding Jokic and the stats when uh, and Draymond Green was guarding him. I mean, he didn't keep him in check because, I mean, an MVP top caliber player is going to get his numbers, but he did a damn good job as far as when it mattered to keep him uh, away from the basket, away from scoring, neutralizing some of his moves. So Dre did what he was supposed to do. And let's talk about Steph. Steph was coming off the bench, and they made, they, they, they were joking around, and it, yes, it is a joke, but it was crazy that Steph was coming off the bench and they were like, he has become the greatest six man ever. Statistically, he probably is. I mean, his career, at the end of his career numbers, there's never been a six man to come off the bench that had the numbers that he has. So, I mean, and then when he got in the game, he was only playing like 21 minutes and he was dropping like 30. Like he was doing the thing, like, you know. So, but that's what you expect from Steph humble superstar, take the backseat to whoever, I want to win. And that's why he's been a proven winner. Now he's got his starting rollback. But Steve Kerr put out an interesting statement. Jordan Poole is playing amazing, but if a two-time, one-time unanimous MVP 
could sit on the bench and come off, you have no reason arguing or complaining about your playing time on this team. Because if he could bite that bullet, and I'm talking to Jordan Poole. Jordan, like Jordan's like, I should be a starter. And you should on a different team. But on this team, you could sit on the bench. Because if Steph could come off the bench or Clay could come off the bench, these guys are proven winners and champions. You can. So it was an interesting series because you had all of those little storylines and dynamics and going on in there. And ultimately, Golden State ended up winning that series four to one. Uh, it actually, I actually thought Denver would put up a better fight, and they did. They just couldn't get over the hump and win some games. The games that they did win, I thought the referees did everything in their power to try to keep the Denver Nuggets in the game. I'm also a conspiracy theorist. I think the NBA tries to extend these games because the more games that are played, the more money that is made. Let's just be real. Like if I could get an extra one or two games out of a series, I would love to do it. So let's get some money. Just my opinion. I can't prove that that's true or not, but I mean, it, you be the judge. So the other series in the first round that I we just got an absolute treat, and if this is what the NBA is going to look like in the future, man, oh, man, we are set up perfectly. I'm going to have to take some Sundays off and make sure that I'm at home to watch uh, Sunday NBA basketball because John Morant and Anthony Edwards are made-for-TV drama. Both of these are young, hard-headed fearless, talented basketball players. Both of them have almost like the same spirit. It's like Kobe, like we're different animals, but we're the same beast. And Ja had one of the dunks that, I I mean, this is an all-time great dunk. Like it was, I believe this was game three. I believe it was game three or maybe game four. They're down at least at this point 14 points in the third quarter. Job does a crossover, goes down the middle of the lane, and I mean, he cocks this ball back so far, it's ridiculous, and he banged it on Bane. I mean, it's just something, just some bitch has just banged it on him. And that changed the whole, that changed the whole complexity of the game. And then Job went on to score 13 points in the fourth quarter and go on to win that game. And earlier in the game, Cat and Edwards, they were like, yo flinging their hands around, telling everybody what, you know, like, we got this, we're at home. And, I mean, the crowd was just stunned, absolutely stunned. Because, I mean, it was just, I, it was amazing. But if you watch Ja play, a lot of people compare him to Allen Iverson. There's a mixture of D. Wade. I think there's just a lot. I just think he's a, a absolutely talented, just, I mean, he's exceeded expectation. I remember when he got drafted. He got drafted out of a mid-major. Murray State and and people when he came in there they were like oh we don't know what he, he's a skinny kid his jump shot wasn't really all that great uh he's fast we don't know what we got here well Memphis absolutely got a steal because this guy is a leader he doesn't back down what I really love about him is he doesn't back down like you know I know when Allen Iverson came in the league you know Carl Malone had made a statement oh this guy's a mockery of the league because he's just shooting the ball over the place and when when he crossed Jordan up he was like yeah that's my idol but when we lace him up he can get it too and that's what I see in Ja Moran and Ja is you don't believe me go on YouTube go look at some of Ja Morant's missed Yes, that's right. Missed dunks. Dunks that he didn't make. He almost bodied Kevin Love. He almost bodied a couple of other players. He missed those dunks. But you knew that 
if he just had a little bit more on it, he was going to catch somebody. And in this uh, Minnesota versus uh, Memphis series, he caught somebody. And there was another dunk in that game that uh, he got fouled. It was another similar dunk, cocked it all the way back. He got fouled. The refs didn't call it. And uh, the rest is history. They ended up winning the series, I believe, 4-1. to one. Cat uh, and Edwards, they're a very talented team. I just think they're young and immature. They don't know how to finish games out. They have Patrick Beverly out there running around, just running his mouth. They, they're just young. Beverly's an old guy, but but Cat uh, is is kind of in the middle of his career, and and Edwards is an absolute monster. Edward also has a dunk earlier this year that uh, they called a charge on it. But go back and take a look at one of the dunks Edward had. He 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 had a monster dunk on somebody as well. He played great in this series in spurts. He wasn't great all the time, but game one, he had a he had a monster game one. I think he had a monster game three. Uh, he just, there was times in the series where I just thought he disappeared. You know, he was just happy being one of the guys. Maybe he just deferred to Cat. And there was times when Cat absolutely disappeared in this series, and he had a press conference. I don't want to, no comments. Uh Sir, you're not on that level where you can just say no comment. You know, you you got to explain. You got to be a leader. You got to be the voice of the team. And when you have a bad game, you got to you, you just got to you got to answer those questions and you got to stand at the firing squad and assure everyone you're you're going to have a better game next game and come back and perform. Uh I just think Minnesota's young. I think that, you know, they do have some exceptional talent there. Like again, Cat and uh Carl Anthony Towns and uh Anthony Edwards, they're definitely going to be back. Memphis really doesn't have that many superstars. I mean, actually, they they just have job, but they play. Memphis has been notorious for playing hard defense, for playing uh, together basketball, and they actually have a superstar in John Moran that if you need 30, 34, 35, 36 points, he'll go get it for you. He's a bucket. He literally is a bucket. And what I love about job, him being a right-handed player, he can finish consistently with the left because, you know, there's a lot of NBA players that, you know, they're, they're, they're athletic and they're, they're gifted, but they're just not very skilled. You see a lot of skill in John Morant. Now, he carries the ball a lot, a lot. And I know that the NBA, the rules have changed and the, there's the zero step and there's the euro step and there's the when did you gather and all and all this stuff. But I'm for old school basketball. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm a basketball purist. So it kind of bothers me when I see these guys, when they dribble, they're getting away with things that uh, wasn't intended to be in the game. But again, the NBA is about selling tickets and about showcasing the best talents in the world. And they don't care if you get an extra little step, if you – Turn that into a razzle-dazzle move because that's what the people were there for, to see. And Ja is, is I'm telling you, like him and Anthony Edwards are made for TV. Uh, they have great, big, loud personalities. Their post-game conferences or uh, news conferences are amazing. You get all kinds of cool one-liners from them. Like Ja was like, man, we don't run from smoke. I run up the chimney. Like that's what you want your leader to say, especially your young leader. And he has proven that it, he hasn't been rattled. He he has the fortitude to, you know, just be in those moments and, and be clutch. Uh, like I said, they ran into the Golden State Warriors. This is uh, – I know I was recapping round one. They were, This is round two. 
first game of round two, they, they went up against Golden State Warriors. He had the opportunity to win it at the buzzer. He missed the layup, but it was a very heads-up play by Clay Thompson, who backed up off his man and kind of helped uh, Gary Payton the second double team the ball and make it a, a difficult layup for Jod. He missed it, and obviously Golden State went on to win 117-116. Uh, That's going to be an amazing series. I'll recap the second round. So, again, I didn't recap all of the games. I just wanted to touch on the the, the big matchups, and I wanted to put my little insight on what I thought between the Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. I love the Denver Golden State series. You know, you got two MVPs. You got to talk about that. And the future of the NBA looks really bright with Ja Morant and Anthony Edwards. If we keep getting players like that, I believe that the NBA is heading for another golden era of basketball. I would just like to see some of the rules go back to similar to what basketball looked like when I played. I'm I'm not saying that we need Tecmo basketball, but at the same time, like some of this stuff is just ridiculous. I you know, I like some of the rule changes like last night in the game. I think they should bring back in the two minutes. If the ball goes out of bounds, you you gotta review it. If the referees didn't catch it, we at home saw it and the people in New York saw it. Make the right calls. We got the technology to make the game the way that it's supposed to be. Let's let's keep it that way. So, you know, that's my little spiel on the first round in the NBA uh, uh, playoffs. Uh, also, we talked about the changing of the guard with Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. We talked about two MVPs go- going head-to-head and which one won. And we also talked about the future in the NBA and uh, John Moran and Anthony Edwards. If you agree with anything that I said here, please go ahead and like uh, the HWS podcast. If you're not following me on Twitter, please make sure that you do so. I'm also on Instagram at HWS underscore podcast. You can find me on YouTube as well. Uh, hopefully that you enjoyed this podcast tonight and uh, I'll, I'll be back for round two where we talk about what the, the matchups there are. Okay. Again, I'm your host, William Andres. It has been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to me rant. I'll catch you on the flip side. Well, that concludes another episode of HWS. I'd like to take time out to thank all of my listeners. Uh, I would be nothing without you guys, and I really appreciate that you keep tuning in to every episode and taking in my content and listening to me rant. Uh, That means the world to me, and I just want to take time out to let you guys know. Uh, So I'm going to end it there. Peace and love, and please stay tuned for the next episode. What's going on, family? I just need for you guys to know that the Health, Wealth, and Sports podcast is strictly for entertainment. Yes, this is entertainment. You're going to have to do your own research. Even though I'm giving you a lot of valuable information, you know, I don't want this to ever be mistaken for professional advice. So please do your own research and hold my feet to the fire. If I'm steering you wrong, let me know. But please don't take this for professional advice because this is just a show to stimulate conversation.